Welcome to The Inner Room, a study where we review highlights on daily scriptures and focus on the instructions and examples they provide to learn mastery of our emotions, to guide us in our spiritual journey, to learn to pray, worship, and listen to God's will for our lives. What beautiful roar we find in today's Acts of the Apostles as Peter gives a tremendous speech. We go back to chapter 3 and Peter begins by acknowledging that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God and he's also the servant of God and that sets the path for our walk on earth, to walk in a way that would be in service to the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Peter proceeds to tell the listeners that they had denied Jesus and asked a murderer to be released when Pontius Pilate had already found him innocent. He then acquits them in a way by saying, you acted out of ignorance as the leaders did, but God has brought to fulfillment what he announced that Christ would suffer, something that we try to avoid a lot in our culture. We don't want to think about the suffering of Christ. We minimize it. We make it hygienic. We clean it up to feel comfortable about it. It requires, then, Peter says, repentance. Repentance because it is our sins that have caused that sacrifice to occur. This is a stumbling uh, spot for a lot of my atheist friends. I have a few of them. And they say, why is this sacrifice needed? What kind of God would actually require his son to come and then be murdered? That doesn't speak highly of God as merciful or loving. That whole setup just seems to be a tripping point for a lot of people. But how do we solve the situation where humanity left to its own devices, tends to fall into tremendous acts of depravity and sinfulness. We see it in ourselves. We see it in our workplaces. We see it in the, in the environments in our schools that we tend to act in very simple ways, avoiding pain and seeking pleasure as animals that we are. We look around and our brain is identifying the things that can cause us pain and wants to move away from them. And it is looking for ways to achieve praise, recognition, uh, material goods. We want to feel safe. We want to feel comfortable. And those things become so important, such priorities that sometimes we just walk over other people that we love around us to get something we want. We don't tell the truth. We gossip about others. We find that these actions are readily entertained. That is why we have to constantly confess before God the things where we have missed the mark, not because they actually are going to be the reason for our salvation, but because this turning of our hearts is the beginning of grace flowing through our lives, where we realign ourselves. We had to have a path to follow, and Jesus watching 
how humanity had been unfolding for a long time, came down and became one of us, became one of us to show us the way. And when he was kind and loving and shared with people, what he got in return was (laughs) torture. He walked even amongst his disciples in ways that showed generosity and miracles, signs and wonders in those around him betrayed him that shows our humanity that shows how we make choices and today's first letter first uh, reading is from the letter uh, from the acts of the apostles where we find peter saying you've got a chance you and i have a chance friend and that is why with the responsorial psalm which is from Psalm 4 today, we say, Lord, let your face shine on us. We call on you, Father, answer us. You are our just God. Relieve us from our distress. Have pity on us. Hear our prayer. Because we live in this tension between what we fear and then what we seek. And we can go in that tension up with our sights in thanksgiving to God or down in selfishness and self-absorption and look for ways that are just our way, not a higher way, but our way, an easier way that is just based on our instincts rather than on the things that are set higher and above. That's why we say, let your face shine on us because of our own devices, unless we align ourselves with the higher goods, we do not know how to enter into the heavenly places just on our own devices. That's why we need a savior. We need somebody that shows us the way. We need someone that does it so that then we can imitate and follow. In the first letter of John, chapter 2, John says that he's writing so that we may not commit sin. All of us can say, well, we want to align ourselves with the better things, but that means we have to deny some of the things we like that are not good for us. Let's say that you really enjoy pornography, right? Or that you are disobeying the law or your parents, that you're disobeying uh, authorities and you're disobeying things that you know are the law and that are good. But how about you are asked to follow rules that are against God? Like we've been watching the apostles, you know, they're told to shut up, don't talk about Jesus. And they said, no, we have to align ourselves with a higher good in the law that comes from God? What if you work in a medical facility where you are asked to do something that you feel goes completely against God's laws and then you have to take a stand against what this authority is saying? It can go both ways, but it's easy to miss the mark. Every day we have to take consciousness of what we've done and and, and then return to God and say, Father Almighty, help us because we need you. And John is saying that we have an advocate with the Father, Christ who is righteous. He didn't do anything wrong and we killed him. And all of us have done something wrong. We don't have the standing to be before God. God had to send someone that was blameless, that would take on horrible things and still remain loving and merciful and kind and patient Someone who, in spite of suffering all the horrors that he endured in the crucifixion, would remain fully available to the grace of God. Something that none of us can do. We don't have that kind of standing or that kind of strength. 
for God to become one of us, to endure all of those sufferings so that he could then recreate a bridge to the divine for us to follow. That is our advocate before the Father, a human being, a human being. Jesus is a human being and is God and is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Do we take knowledge of what we're saying? It is a resurrected human being. And it is in that victory that he has expiated our sins. And then we may be assured that we know him when we're keeping his commandments. Knowing of God is knowing of his law, reading our hearts. We do not keep his commandments and we cannot say we know God. We know God because it is in knowing the commandments that God looks for a way to perfect us in him. And then we come to the masterful chapter 24 in the book of St. Luke. And we find the apostles gathered when the two from Emmaus have been telling them what happened when Jesus met them and they recognized them on the breaking of the bread. And while they're still speaking about this, Jesus, that these two have just seen, get to see him again. And he says, peace be with you. My friend, peace be with you right now in the hearing of that. I am seeking that peace myself. And what is their response? They are startled and terrified. Are you startled and terrified at this image of a resurrected Christ that comes through the doors and encounters one of them, Peter, who just spoke for us in the Acts of the Apostles? And it is in those encounters for 40 days that Jesus transforms the hearts of the apostles from terrified and startled to bold and empowered. And that is the transformation that is available for you and for me in these 40 days. We should not think of the resurrection as the sort of hygienic idea that we might see on a painting because this idea that they, they were terrified and startled startled in this podcast we ponder right we ponder the emotions of our heart because the emotions are indicators of where we are not where we're going these emotions whether it is terror or startled sensations point to us that we are encountering something that we don't know we don't know how to place them in our scheme for understanding the world in that sense can bring us to awe once we transform the terror into a sense of just witnesses of majesty. That is what you and I are invited to witness this Easter season. Jesus knows what they are feeling because they think they're seeing a ghost. And he says, why are you troubled? That is the question for you and for me. Why are you troubled? I have conquered the world. And what does he offer as proof? Look at my hands and feet. They are pierced, right? They are pierced. He's still showing the signs of the torture he endured. And he is asking you and me to touch and to see. Because a ghost doesn't have flesh and bones. As you can see, I have. Jesus is fully alive as a human being. And he's that for you and for me to touch and see. 
Jesus wants these encounters so much that he endures that sacrifice as a innocent lamb so that you and I can touch and can see and can be reconciled. As he's saying this, he shows his hands and feet and we already begin to see in that moment of touching that they are transformed. They, they were still incredulous for joy and amazed. That has been already in a couple of verses a shown transformation from terror and startled feelings to joy and amazement. And Jesus meets them right there in communion. He says, have you anything here to eat? I am here still to nourish you, but I will be nourished as a human being. And it is in this eating that they continue to be transformed. This is why communion is so important. Jesus wants to be a part of us so much. He wants to be in our midst, in our troubles, in our terrors, in our lack of understanding when we think we're seeing ghosts in our life. And he says, these are my words. I spoke to you while I was with you. Everything written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. He's still opening your mind and and mine because he was doing that with the apostles. It is written that Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem, where we see boldly Peter doing that, witnessing all these things that they had seen. That is what we are invited to do, brothers and sisters. We are invited to that sense of awe and inspiration of the gospel of the resurrection that a human being that is God has bridged the gap forever between heaven and earth so that we can walk and we can enter these heavenly places knowing that we have an advocate. So let us go to the throne. Oh, Father Almighty, you came to walk amongst us. We know that you see our troubled hearts. We know that you see our terror and startlement, and we give you thanks for meeting us where we are. You transform us by coming to us knowing that we can't do it alone. And we are filled with joy in that acknowledgement, Father, that you love us so much that you sent your only Son to bring us back to a place of connection to you. We ask for that which is deepest in our heart right now to be brought to the altar of heaven so that you may bless it and transform it with the words of our Savior. We ask for your peace with thanksgiving because you came to give us your peace. We know that you are Jehovah Shalom, the Father of peace. And we pray this peace over ourselves, over our households, over our marriages, over our children, over our nation, over our jobs. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hello, this is Sofia Fonseca de Niño, and I welcome you to this inner room. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the inner room, Emotions in the Bible. And we would love to hear your questions, your ideas, or your comments. Thank you for joining us today.